We I even stayed in one of them for free. Travis hasn't charged me the cleaning fee yet. I don't know, but I, I'm waiting for the bill. That's uh, I don't know how to uh, convert that to Norwegian crowns, so I'll just I'll let you buy me a few beers when I come to Norway because at like twelve dollars a pop. Oh yeah, that'll cover like three weeks worth of rent. Jay, start the timer. Welcome to Location Indie Podcast, a behind-the-scenes, unfiltered, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location-independent lifestyle from two guys who are living that lifestyle. I'm Trav, and I never, ever played Little League, but I feel like I just stepped up to the majors. Wow. I'm Jason. Uh, we're the co-founders of the Community Location Indie, I-N-D-I-E, where we talk about travel, location independence, freedom, the whole lifestyle around that. You can learn more at locationindie.com, where we give out a bunch of free goodies, and you can keep in touch there and find out when the community opens up again. Trav, um, I did play Little League. I was just telling a story. Well, was I telling you the story when I saw you in Philly? Because we got together and we recorded that awesome podcast on the way to the airport, which thanks again for the ride because I'm still like, you know, like I, I think I said it in my podcast or maybe in that one, like whenever somebody takes you to the airport, that's a true friend, right? Like if somebody's taking you or picking you up from the airport, they are like, man, that's... I guess I, I've got a lot of true friends because I'm always asking for rides to the airport you, you because do. we're always flying. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Was I telling you my Little League story? Yes, you told me a story. Yes, you go ahead. Tell the Little League story, because I never played Little League, so I'll I mean, live it's vicariously not so much of a story, through you. Except- but I basically, I played like two seasons in Little League, and I was a pitcher, and I I think I was like probably 9 and 10 or 10 and 11 or something like that. And uh, that's right, because you, yeah, and enough uh, for your enough for your all your pride and manhood to be crushed. So Old enough for that. Yeah, you know, it was really nice. Um, like a, a neighbor, like kind of taught me how to pitch. Who was like a baseball coach, and um, I was like one of the few that could like get it over the plate and get it into the strike zone enough where, um, like I became a starting pitcher. But my arm sucks. So I couldn't, I could, I was a starting picture because I could get like strikes, but control, could, not speed. Yeah, you had control, exactly. But not not any so speed. far from speed. Like the speed was atrocious, but, um, I get, I suppose I won some games. I don't know. Like the first year I remember, I, I don't know. My pitching was probably average, but I like, I think I struck out like almost every time. Seriously. Like I was terrible. And then the second year, so you mean um, you struck out batting? So you're an awful batter. Yes, yes, I was were, an awful you bat. You know, typical, maybe an average pitcher. Typical pitcher, maybe. right? But then the second year, I was like, yeah, again, average pitcher or below average, maybe, probably. Um, but I think I got like a lot of doubles. I remember. I just remember getting hits with this black bat called the Big Barrel. It had like a big barrel at the end. It was called the Big Barrel. It said Big Barrel on it. And I would just get a lot of double. I wouldn't get home runs. I wouldn't get... I'd get some singles, but I'd get like a lot of doubles, which made me feel really good. Um, but there was this one dude in the league that um, he was like a Babe Ruth type, like uh, this guy Walter, his kid Walter. And he like, you just heard about him, which I think it was hilarious because back then... Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you hear about these things, right? Like these kids live like miles away, and like yet yeah, word gets around. I guess other teams talk to each other when when you play. But uh, this guy got talked up, and then I I went up against him and I pitched against him, and he just walloped like home run after home run against me, and I got pulled out of the game. 
And uh, it was like facing a legend, really. I mean, it, it, the name built up so big. Um, anyway, that was my stint in Little League. I, and rec then. League sports are funny like that because I never played Little League, but same thing happened with me in, in basketball. You know, there'd always be a draft. And my dad wasn't a coach or anything, so I never went to the draft or he he was never at the draft, right? But you you know, word would circulate like who got picked first, who's in the first round, who's this? You know, all this like I again, you're ten, eleven, who knows how anyone found out, but word would circulate and there'd always be a few kids who didn't go to our elementary school, who went to neighboring elementary schools, but were in this league because they lived close enough or what have mm-hmm. you. And I just remember a few kids like this kid, Billy Corbett. Mm-hmm. Um, he just was this great basketball player. No idea what school he went to, but every year he was in the rec league. And I always thought, where is it? Like, this guy is just a legend. Where is he coming from? He's, I only ever see him during basketball <laughs> season. He's dropping like 40 points. None of us could even shoot. Here's this kid. And then who knows what ended up happening to that guy. But, uh, He's yeah. not in the NBA. I know that. I know. No. That. But my sport was volleyball in high school. That's what that that was the sport. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, so I we're keeping the sports theme a few a few podcasts in a row here. But the idea for me the other day, and why I bring up this, I never played little league, but I, I like feel like I just jumped to the majors was around a business that I've had now for a, uh, over a year. So right now we've, I guess we've had this business for like a year and almost a year and a half. And this is the Air, the Airbnb business that Heather and I run. So if you don't know, in the last year and a half, Heather and I have bought four different properties in Philadelphia to, uh, for the sole purpose of, of renting them out. I, right? I saw like, them all and they were very nice. Yeah. We, so, I even stayed in one of them for free. Yeah, Travis you, hasn't charged me the cleaning fee yet. I don't know, but that's right, I, I'm that. waiting for the bill. That's uh, I don't know how to uh, convert that to Norwegian crown, so I'll just I'll let you buy me a few beers when I come to Norway because at like twelve dollars a pop, oh yeah, that'll uh, cover like three uh, weeks yeah, worth of rent. Yeah, man, it'll pay itself off pretty quickly. But I wanted to get into the Airbnb business. You know, I'd stayed at a bunch of Airbnbs. We had Airbnb the house that we lived in out, and I just thought, okay, this is something that I'm interested in. I really love real estate. Let's get into it. So October of 2016, we started looking. December 2016, we closed on a house, basically started the whole Airbnb thing January of 2017. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work as you can attest Jay. I've talked to you about it and you've, you've, you know, we talk almost every other day. So you know how much stuff was going on, but to go and look at properties, very time consuming. Then, you know, to go through the process of buying it. It's a huge decision. I mean, you're spending, you know, lots of money on. Right. So, so like you've got all this time invested. Going to look at all these properties, then finding one you like, then putting in an offer, then then doing the paperwork, then going through getting the mortgage. Not blah, to blah, mention blah. just researching to the point where you find the ones you want to look at, right? Sure. That's the so whole just, thing. So that's yeah. So you go through that whole process, then you buy the house. Then it becomes kind of the second wave, the second process. And that becomes okay, anything that needs to get done to it has you you have to do. So none of the houses we had to do a ton of work on. But it was, you know, hanging curtains, which is like the the thing I hate the the most out of anything in this world. Like if you want to kill me, you know, where you say, I don't wish this on my worst enemy, like hanging curtains and blinds is I do not wish on my worst enemy. Um, it's just awful. And we've had to do it in four houses now. So buying furniture, you know, getting the furniture in there. And, and, you know, you forget all the little things when a house is empty, you forget all the little things that go into a house to make it livable because a lot of times you're moving with stuff, right? How many people move and don't have anything? They have had stuff from previous houses. So all that, so it comes with furnishing it, 
hanging it, getting it ready, getting it set for someone to be in. So that's kind of the second wave. And then the third wave comes from the management of it. Okay, now we have it up. So we put up a listing on Airbnb. Um, we start taking care of it and we, you know, you get that whole process rolling, get reviews in, you answer people's questions, you make a little guidebooks. So you kind of have these three stages. So first stage I love. I love the research. I love looking at the properties, all that. Second stage, uh, uh, Heather and I, I guess, have done okay at, but it's a longer process. And this you is where, think, is like, this, is this, is that the head budding stage for you too? Could you call yeah, it that? that? That's the head budding stage. When now you have to explain I, why, why that is because, well, I always think things can get done quicker. So I'm like, oh, we can turn this house around in a week. And then we realize it's like two or three weeks. Plus, you know, she has a great design eye. And so she wants to make it look amazing, which I do too. But I also want to keep it to a budget. And then that doesn't usually happen. So (laughs) we've got some stuff systematized now, though. It's gotten easier. Let's put it that way through four houses because we always buy the same mattresses now. And they get shipped right to the door. We buy the same bed frame. So like a lot of big pieces we buy the same of, and then, you know, we, we kind of make it unique with different lamps and, and you know, all, it's like some of the different coffee tables, things like that. But we've got it somewhat systematized. I think about as systematized as you can, the second process, right? Third process, then getting it up and listing it. So here's what happened. And I here's why I said I was playing in Little League for so long. For a year, we did the first two things, and then we'd get to the third part, and I got the listing up, and everything was great. And then I would get messages in and people would say, okay, you know, can we stay at your place? You know, you're getting all these messages, people asking questions about parking is always a big one, things like that. And I was always responding, always responding. I'm thinking, hey, this isn't that bad, but it's pretty time consuming, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm going in, I'm responding to every message manually. And also I'm constantly going in and changing the price up and down. Oh, we have an open weekend in a week. Oh, let's like lower it so we can get someone in there. So we're constantly playing around with all this. And it was getting to be, you know, them with four properties, it got to be a lot. Like it turned from, oh, this is okay to, all right, this is a little harder, a little harder. Oh my gosh, this is very time consuming at this point. So I was at a point where I thought, is this even worth it? Like we're not making that much money off of them. I know it's a long-term play. I'm not trying, I'm not thinking that this is going to, you know, allow me to retire this year or anything crazy like that. But is the return on investment worth it? And at that point, it was starting to feel like, no, I'm putting in a ton of time and we're not making that much money. So I had to think about this, you know, and I was thinking about pretty heavily. And I was thinking, man, I maybe I made a mistake. Like I probably went too gung ho. Now we have four properties. I can't just really get out from under them, right? Go to Nashville, have a conversation with a friend of mine who owns 15 Airbnb properties in Nashville. And she just telling me the things she's doing. She's like, oh, yeah, we're always booked and we're making all this money and blah, blah. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I think I'm pretty smart. I have good properties, like this and that. And she gave me two, she didn't give me a piece of advice. She wasn't like, oh, you should do this. She was just talking about what she was doing. But I came away with two kind of keys. One, I have to figure out a way not to write so many messages. And two, I have to figure out a way to, to price it so that we get more people in. And uh, she gave me two. She gave me two ideas because there's software out there. And I came home with this idea that if I don't do this, like I'm either going to do this right now or I'm going to like not give up, but I'm going to have someone else do it as a property manager. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I came home and said, I either got to step up my game 
or someone else has to take this over because it's yeah. not working the way it is. Mm-hmm. So I gave myself two days when I came home from Nashville to implement mm-hmm. this. Nice. One is a thing called Smart B&B. Did you go to Ocean City, Maryland and lock yourself I, into I, it? I, no. <laughs> I did not lock myself in, but I went <laughs> and I came into my office and said, you've got two days. There's two pieces of software that you know exist. Smart B&B, which automates the messages. And then I knew there was like dynamic pricing things, which would essentially go into Airbnb, like your permission, and it changes your pricing all the time without you having to do it based on algorithms and all that you can see. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Here's the crazy part. So it automatically minutes, adjusts it in the listing? Yes. Okay. Like it, 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 it has, it's you like know an how API like, taps It's an in. API. You know how everyone, think of it this way, you know, I was like, can Facebook access this whenever you get new apps? It's essentially it's saying, can this air access Airbnb, yes or no? You say yes, and it can go and it can change it. So I go into the to this thing called Price Labs, into the back end, and I say, okay, I never want the price below this amount. Right. So let's say $125, because it's not worth if it's below this. Um, I, you know, here's my base price. Use use all the algorithms off of this main price. So you set all these things that you want to do. It it looks complicated until you read. So anyway, moral of the story. I go and I give myself two days, Jay. First day. I figure out smart B&B, which is the automated messaging thing. Not that hard. I write a few template emails. So when someone asks me about parking, this thing is so smart that it will send it a message. That is the message that I wrote out about parking. So I had to write it out for each property because each one has different parking things. But I wrote it once, right? Like once for each property. Now when someone writes me a message and says, hey, wondering about parking this property, it sends them a message that says, here are three paragraphs. Here's like where the parking garage is, how much it is. Here's free parking, blah, blah, blah. When someone wants to book it, it sends them a message of here's all the information you need to know before you book. After someone books it, thanks for booking. Um, a day and a half after they get into the property, it sends them a message and says, is there anything we can do? We want to make sure we get a five-star review. So what has been going okay? after they Before they check out, 12 hours before they check out, here are the checkout instructions. Two days after they check out, hey, if you haven't left a review... We'd love for you to leave a review. Three days after they check out, it somehow leaves a review for them automatically based on what I had written before. So it's you create all these templates and it does it all the messaging automatically. So I went from, I, I probably spend one tenth, no joke, one tenth of the time that I was spending before on messages using this smart B&B product, which cost me $18 a month. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Right? I mean, let's think about this. I'm paying $18 a month. I set up all these messages. It's doing all the work for me. And then I spend the next day, I do the pricing thing, same thing. One-tenth of time, I'm not even in changing prices. Batching, dog. Right. Batching. And we're like getting crazy booked because it knows the prices. So like it's getting us higher amounts of money on the weekends because I had it set too low. It's lowering it during the weekdays. And so our occupancy rate has gone up like two or three times and wow. I'm spending one that tenth much. the time. It's crazy. Wow. And yeah. it took me two days to do this. And that's why I say I go from little league to the majors. Cause all of a sudden I started looking at this as not like, not, Oh, uh, you know, it's a hobby and this and that, but okay, how can I turn this into a business that not only am I spending way less time, but actually making money, like either do it or don't do it is kind of what I came to. And, What's the craziest part about the whole series? I knew those two things existed from the very moment I bought the first Airbnb property. I knew Smart B&B existed and I knew Price Labs existed. And I knew what they did to, you know, I knew they could work. I just, but I put it now, off now I have for a, question. a year and a half. I mean, do you think there was any value 
there must have been some value in doing that all yourself in the beginning, like learning what people would ask and things like that, or like, no, not really. Not really. I, no. I, that's a lie I was telling myself. And, and okay. I, that's not in every situation. Right, I right, think right. there's a lot We're of value doing stuff. talking about this specifically. This specific yeah. situation. Maybe there was value for one month, for the first property for one month. But you know what people are going to ask. They're going to ask. I mean, Right. It's the typical accommodation stuff. Ask, like, just go yeah, to the FAQ in any hotel, and that's what they're going to ask, basically. Right. They already have pre-made templates in smart bnb for parking people asking for early check-in late or early check-in late checkout because okay, they know tells hey, you these the, are like the, the 10 things, things people always ask yeah so, so you i could just have went done in this the first week yeah i could have done it the first week of the very first property how do you feel I man i feel awesome now um <laughs> i feel really excited because i took something that i had been again playing in the little leagues like making minuscule amounts of money not doing as good as i could and the the crazy part jay is that i did so much work up until that point like everything else was so intensive getting the this was like the easiest part of the whole thing this was the easy part this was like the last five percent to make the business like take that hockey stick curve and take off and i didn't do it and i can't even tell you why i mean some of it i i think I mean, I, I say I can't tell you why, and then I'm going to give you two main reasons why. One is I was lying to myself saying, oh, well, you know, that whole, oh, if you're putting your time in, it's um, like you somehow feel validated, like you're working hard, right? Like, oh, man, I'm, I'm making this money off Airbnb because I'm putting work into it when I knew I could have worked smarter. So that was kind of a lie I was telling myself. The second thing was I just didn't give myself the time to do it. I didn't sit down and say, you've got two days to do it. And when I finally did, nothing else ground to a halt. It was two other days like that I was like, okay, if I put the time in, this could have an outsized effect on what I'm going to do. Um, and I guess the third reason would be that someone showed me how much better they were doing stuff, and I needed that kick in the butt for someone to do that for me, for someone to say, dude, our properties are making like five grand a month profit, and I'm barely doing any work. And I'm like... And I like crying to myself inside, like, what? Why am I not doing that, right? right. And then that forced me to finally say, listen, either tr- give it a real go or or shut up and stop doing it. Yeah, I love it, man. I mean, uh, so many things to talk about around this. It's like, well, first of all, congrats to come this far. And like, it sounds like you had to go through that whole thing to kind of get this lesson. But in the future, you're probably not going to do that with other things you do, or maybe not as much. Who knows? Um, Fingers crossed, right? Yeah. I think we, I think but every like, project is different, right? Like, yeah, you, you, sure. You have to start at the beginning and force yourself to, to well, take I mean, that mindset. I think the key thing here is it's like looking at everything that's going on and basically reverse reverse engineering the solutions, right? Because you were saying like, okay, what are like what needs to happen? Like, you're like, um, I need to not send so many messages. Okay, that's that's like a problem for you. You're like identifying the biggest time suck for you, right? So it's really methodical. And that's when you take a step back and think about it. Okay, how how do I do that? Okay, how do I not send as many messages? And like, for you, the answer was in a, in a software product, right? Like for somebody listening to this, like that's jammed up in their some part of their business, that they shouldn't, they feel like they shouldn't be spending time in or they don't want to be doing or whatever, that the answer could be different. But it's the same sort of question applies. It's kind of like, hey, all right, where am I spending my time and money? And like, could I be, you know, how could I be doing this better? 
and then taking the time to actually do it. I mean, that's basically like the two-step solution, right? But I mean, I like how it starts with that, you know, question to yourself, right? Like just just what should I what what should I do to cut down on these messages or, or what, you know, how can I get the pricing right? Like, you know, there must be a way and then, you know, you heard about these through a conversation, it could be research, it could be um, you know, talking to some friends and getting some recommendations, but like I feel like it all starts with with that, right? Like that's how you kind of create these systems and solve these problems. I agree. I think a lot of times people already know that there's solutions. Like I knew there was solutions that could help me out. I I I'd done a lot of research in Airbnb. We have a friend I was in the Paradise Pack, Jasper Rivers, who runs Get Paid for Your Pad. So I knew there was all this stuff around helping Airbnb hosts. I think too, and I told you, oh, I don't know why, and then I gave you three reasons. I think there's a fourth reason that kind of overarches all of those, and it's going to sound funny, but I think that fourth reason was fear, and not fear that, like, I wasn't scared that it wasn't going to work. I think just fear of saying, oh, is this going to be like too hard to figure out? It was that, it was that complacency level where you tell yourself, like, oh, well, yeah, I know that'll make my, stuff easier in the future. But I mean, I can just sit here and respond to a message right now and it'll take me five minutes. But what if it takes me like a week to figure out how to use the automated messaging? Like, you know, it's 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 like fear of this idea that you're going to either not be able to figure it out or that you're like wasting time when you know in every fiber of your being that if you just put the time in in the beginning, it's going to be so much better, but you just you just don't do it. And, and this is a perfect example. I've done it. You and I have done it on multiple businesses where we've automated stuff and we've seen the light. And yet still on this newer business, it took me a year and a half to even attempt to automate it. And so it's just this weird thing that I think you start back at scratch with new projects and you have to get past that idea of like, oh man, like maybe this is a little harder or a little tougher to figure out, but it's going to be better in the long run. Just give yourself the time to actually do it and force yourself to do it. I said, if I can't figure it out in two days, then I'm not going to use it. Yeah. And of course, it was way easy to figure out. It's like a thousand tutorials. It took me like 10 minutes to figure out how to set up a template <laughs> and then to write the template took well, like four hours, I mean, but it was that, some brain power. Yeah. And sending a message I mean, isn't brain power. You bring up a good point because oftentimes I think the thing that can stop us from doing those things, like one of the things, one of the many things is not just the time investment it takes, but like the imagined time investment it takes, right? Like the actual time investment was two days. It was well worth it. Obviously, it wasn't that bad. But when you get into some like learning something new and you're not sure how it works, you're like, oh man, am I going to get sucked down this rabbit hole today? It's just so easy to put those things off because you know how it goes when, when you're trying to learn like a new piece of software or, or something new in your business. Um, you know, it's, it's ironic because <laughs> it's like, I totally relate to that. But at the same time, I don't know if I would be an entrepreneur if I didn't love learning new things all the time. Like I, like right. once I get into it, I can like geek out on these things, but it's like just getting started with it. It's kind of hard. Exactly. When I got into it and started figuring out, I was so excited. I told everyone. I mean, we're doing a podcast about it. I, I was so excited that I figured out these systems. I was like, man, maybe I should teach other people how to do this. Once I started, but it took me a year and a half to start. So I'm with you that once you get in and you generally, 
we love the learning process. And I love that, that after that first day, when I had those messages set up and then I got a ping that, that night that a message was sent out, like, cause we got our first like inquiry that was then responded to automatically. I was like texting my dad, like this thing's so crazy. You have to come see it. Like I was high five and Heather. I was so excited that I got something to work and yet I had put it off. And I think that's right. That it, it's, you love learning, but you're just afraid to start. And, and again, this is me in hey, listen. You know, six or seven years into my entrepreneur's journey. Still, Trav, listen, this like this, this one was like pretty easy when you sat down and did it, right? But like the reality is, we talk about reality, no holds bar and all that. Like it's not always easy to set up every system. No. You know, like that you put in place in your business, but we talked about it time and time again. Systems are key. It's It's not that hard either. Like, and like, I think... This goes back to like something we talk about too, like the whole F perfection thing. Like, like, cause you, when you go to create a system, you want it to be the perfect system right away. And if you can see all the different things that need to get done, sometimes that's a lot. And that's where I think it gets overwhelming. Um, and it gets a little intimidating unless you have like some great software solution like this, or maybe it's expensive. You know, yours, this happens to be pretty affordable, but for some people, these, you know, these, some of these software solutions uh, for lo- location-dependent businesses is a part of doing business, but like when you're just starting out, hey, well, maybe you don't want to pay $100 a month for like an SEO tool, even though you know it's going to like really be the thing that makes the most sense and, and, and cuts time in the long run, but 100 bucks a month is a lot of money or whatever you know, right. the case is. So yeah, it's, it's a battle, but I mean... I guess I don't know I if think there's you, a what the the moral is behind this this episode to me at least I don't know because I didn't know what Trav was going to talk about when, when we got on the podcast so that's we do that quite often uh, on this show which makes it fun but um is to me and and I want to hear what what you say but I, I'm sure you're curious what I'm going to say because you're just sharing the story here for the first time I, mean, I knew you were doing all this stuff but we're just talking it out um. One other thing I want to pull out of this before I get into that, I would just say like it's really cool that you're doing this because it's something you're passionate about, like you said. And I really think the best businesses are the ones that you either are really like passionate about learning or you already know and you're passionate about it. And you're passionate about real estate. And look, it's a bricks and mortar thing, right? Like literally bricks and mortar. All right, does that you know, we always think about websites and online and location independence, but you're doing this and you're location independent. And right. you've got five well, and properties. This, these and- tools allow it to be location independent, right? right? I mean, that's that's kind of the beauty of the whole situation is there's a tangible thing, a house, a property, right. yet everything that is involved in that can feasibly be location independent, mm-hmm. like all the answering emails and all that kind of stuff. You know, maybe you have a, obviously you need like a handyman and cleaners on the ground and things like that. But you, it just goes to show that you could take kind of almost any business, and and if you're running that business, you can be location independent as long as you set things up. As long as you have the systems, right? Right. Right. <laughs> you better have a handyman in your case. No, I'm well, just kidding. Yeah, because I I'm not so handy. <laughs> uh, sometimes the brick and mortar thing sucks because you're like, wait a second, this means that a roof has to be redone. What? But um, <laughs> no. But yeah. I was gonna say, like, just as a reminder, I think what I'm getting out of this is like. You know, take a piece of paper and just take a step back and and look at what you're doing, and you know, pose that question to yourself. Like, okay, th- this is a problem. How do I remove myself from this part of the business, and then kind of reverse engineer that system solution, right? Yeah, and for me, more of the story si- similar, but uh, 
in a little different way. Like you have to do, you have to do what you said first. You have to figure out what the problem is or, or what the situation is. For me, it was, I, I knew what the problem was and I knew in my head kind of how to solve it. I didn't know which pricing thing I was going to use. That was another thing. I, I didn't fall down the rabbit hole of too much research. I did, you know, like two hours of research and all these different pricing things and eventually just said, whatever, I'm going to go with the one that this one website that I read that told me about the messaging thing told me they use this price one, whatever. Maybe there's a cheaper one. Maybe there's a better one, but let me get started. So I, mm. that, that was the other thing is not falling down there too much research. But the main moral was, that I knew I was playing at a little league level with this. Like I knew that I was not doing it as effectively and as efficiently and as automated as possible. I wasn't making as much as I could be. I wasn't, I was spent and I was spending more time. So I knew that I was playing at this level. And I think a lot of people, no matter what project they're looking at, maybe it's not a Airbnb thing. Maybe it's not, and maybe it's not even a, that maybe it even can't be systematized that well, that well. But what are you playing at a little league level at that you want to play at a much higher level at? And how do you get there? Because a lot of times you already know how to get there because you've already done the research. You've already seen other people do it. You just actually have to then take a day or two days or however long, set aside time and say, I'm going to do that thing that I think gives me the best chance to play at this next level. And usually you're going to get there a lot quicker than you think. I love that. And I love the concept of, hey, you can do that no matter where you are in your business, right? Like it might sound silly if you're telling yourself, it might sound silly, right? Like you say you you, you just started a, a website. Maybe you didn't even launch it yet. Maybe you have 50 people on your email list or 12 or two and one of them's your mom, whatever. But you can still say to yourself, hey, what level am I going to play at? Am I going to play at little league or big league? It doesn't matter where you are in your business. You say you're playing at a big league level you make big league decisions, right? And that's where it all starts. And thinking big, this is something that I've been getting into a lot recently. Not that I haven't been into it, but like really focusing on like thinking big again, like just being like, hey, like open up your mind, like think bigger than you have been. Like, okay, you think that's big? Think bigger than that, you know? Like think bigger than what you think is big. And that's uh, been something that's really resonating with me lately. So I love so many lessons and also practical advice packed into this episode as Chris buzzes us out. Um, Trav, I want to give a quick shout out to somebody in LI, uh, the Location Indie community, which if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you haven't heard about the community, you got to sign up over there, locationindie.com. We do have a private community, but we also have a free newsletter where we dish a bunch of value if you're not ready to get into a community yet. But um, yeah, this is we have a private social network in the, in the community. And I want to give a shout out to Jason from um, the Nomad Experiment. Dot com. He had a quick thing in the in our in our social network. He said, uh, "Wow, how quickly a year passes! It was exactly one year ago that I pulled the plug on over eighty percent of my clients to redirect my life. Amazing what's gone on in that year. Thanks to everybody for the continued help and support." And uh, he linked to a, a support uh, a post on the nomadexperiment.com, his website, where he talked about this more in depth. But like same kind of concept, right, Trav? Like Jason took a step back and, and realized like, hey, he needed to get rid of some of his clients for whatever various reasons, you know, whether they were a pain in the butt or they just weren't worth his time or whatever. And um and redirect his life. Like you said, like that's a bold decision. Over eighty percent of my clients, that's 
that's insane. So I just wanted to give a shout out to him um, for doing that because that takes guts. And like these big league decisions do take guts, right? Um, sometimes they're sometimes they're not so bad. Like sometimes they're really scary. I love that. So I just wanted to give him a quick shout out. Yeah, for sure. Awesome, Jason. I remember him telling us that he was going to do that before he did it. And we're like... Accountability, and, and, yeah, and the re- And the reasons why, too. Not like, oh, I'm yeah. going to get rid of some of my clients. We're like, yeah. It was like, I'm going to get rid of some of my clients because here's what's... Here's right. why. And it was... Being specific yeah, about it. Right. And then he did. And uh, it's awesome to see where he is now a year later. And I, I do think, again, it comes back to surrounding yourself with people who are going to inspire and motivate you and teach you. Like, I didn't even tell my friend. I, I should probably call her and tell her that that conversation we had, 30-minute conversation, maybe less, over Airbnb, of Airbnb, radically changed the way that I looked at what I was doing. And obviously, the tool she told me... the have helped me now. And it's just one of those things that you're putting yourself in position to learn from others because there's other people doing something you want to do. Maybe they're doing it bigger, better. Maybe they're not, maybe they're at the same level, whatever, but you're just gleaning so much information, even when you're not trying sometimes. Like I had no clue that this conversation was going to lead to me saying, Trav, buck the F up and start doing it for real. So, um, Hey Trav, that, uh, that, I have one more thing to go off of that before we let you guys go, because I think this is a good homework assignment. I did this um, fairly recently, and I always think it's a cool thing to do because like, the world moves so quickly, right? And we do these things, and we have these conversations and these sort of um, interactions with people that you know alter our lives in some positive way or change our lives. And often we just... It's not like we don't care. We're not grateful. We just never go back and like tell them the story and like let them know. And... Um, I remember I met this this woman, Catherine, in a bar in Brooklyn, New York, like some years ago when I was doing the whole rock and roll touring thing. And she was in the music world and she was, she writes like, uh, I think she wrote a bi- she's like in heavy metal world and she wrote like a biography about some heavy metal guys or something. I don't know. I remember her telling me about her book and like it was coming out and she was interviewing like all these rock guys and everything. And um, I remember I just thinking, like it's just a conversation in a bar and I was thinking, you know what? Like that's something I've had in me for a long time, but I haven't done it. And I just remember saying it out loud for the first time to her for whatever reason. I was like, I'd really like to interview people. I said, that would be really fun to do. I really like the idea of just like interviewing people. And you know, it was later that that kind of like got the ball rolling on that idea, even though it was like in me, but I hadn't expressed it for whatever reason. It just became a thing then like that I was like hey that that's really cool and you know I ended up having these podcasts and all this thing and I don't know about a year ago or so I I'm friends with her on Facebook and I just wrote her a message and I told her the whole story I said hey I don't know if you remember me but we met at this bar like years ago and we had this conversation and like basically after that I made this like a big focus on my work and my life and thanks you know, so uh, she was just yeah, like, oh, that's so cool. Because people have no idea how they right. make an impact. Off people, you know? are, I love right. getting the emails when people say how our work affects them. And, uh, you know, it's a little homework assignment for everybody there. Trav knows who's he, who he's going to get in contact with after this. Um, but, you know, if you have somebody that impacted you in some way and you want to drop them a line, just let them know and tell them the story and how they help. That's just that's a cool thing to do. I think For sure. Always awesome to reach out and tell people a thanks for big, small, or otherwise. Yeah. So we're over time. We'll let you go now. Thank Sign you up guys over for at listening. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers.